once we had enough submissions to fill up, I, I guess we wanted at least 30 days out so that we could have a, a 30 day buffer from the time you submit to the time the first image was arise, uh, was published. Uh, we went live January 1st, 2020. We had, I think we had a backlog of about 60 days worth of images. It was a, and from there, it just kind of grew and the, the user base grew and the traffic numbers went from just crazy. Just all of a sudden, it really started to take off. Even if you're new to the hobby, you've probably heard of APOD, the astronomy picture of the day, which has been around since the mid-90s. But have you heard about the amateur astronomy picture of the day, or AAPOD 2? Well, if you haven't, then this is your episode. We're going to introduce you to a resource that all you imagers need to learn about. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. All right, Charles Lilo and Jason Matter, our guests today. Welcome to our humble podcast. I can't wait to get started on our topics today. Uh, but you guys run a thing called AAPod2, AAPod2.com, actually, um, which is uh, something that is a resource for amateur astronomers. And you guys started this, so we're going to talk about your whole story with this, uh, with this website and what you guys are hoping to do. Um, but first, before we get going on that, I want to let's maybe talk a little bit about who you are. So, Charles, uh, let's start with you. Give us a little bit of your backstory. What, what, what got you into amateur astronomy, and are you still very active in it, or are you just taking up all your time now running AAPod 2? So tell us a little bit of your backstory. I've always been interested in astronomy. I've had a telescope since I was... I, I think I got my first telescope. I was about 16 or 17 and uh, it was a Tasco 102. Uh, oh, Tasco, you bought a Tasco. Tasco. I bought a Tasco, the, the little, the, the little red thing. And yep. I think it was 102 millimeters, uh, uh, Dobsonian refractor with the equatorial mount, which I never bothered to learn how to use. Tasco actually had a building on 36th street in Miami. So I went to a telescope store you don't do anything anymore. And I, wow, bought, yeah. my, I bought my $200. I'll, I'll never forget. I had to borrow money from my mom to, to buy it. And I never learned how to use it correctly. I would just bring it out year after year and point in the right direction. And it wasn't until my daughter um, was, I think, seventh grade. They asked her to do a, um, a, a science thing to look at the moon and maybe take a picture of it with your little, uh, you know, point and shoot camera. So I brought out the Tasco and started looking at stuff and it didn't really, the gears were really working because I never used them correctly. I never tightened them back up. And I said to myself, you know, um, I'm a, I'm a, a grown bleep man. It, it's time to buy a real telescope. That's so I started, looking for computerized telescopes. And I got my first uh, Mead ETX 125. And ah, that's a good little scope. 
was a great little scope. And I saw more in one night uh, with that thing than I did in probably 15 or 20 years with that other, because I never bothered to learn how to use it or do star hopping or any of that. I know. It's just, I was well, a lazy astronomer. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, the bug kind of yeah. hit me and I went, started looking for local astronomy clubs and I found our uh, local astronomy club, which happened to be just five or six miles from my house. And I went there one night and I met a gentleman named Charlie Hine um, and he had a camera hooked up to the back of, he had a DSLR hooked up to the back of his scope. And I was like, wow, I have a camera. I can do this. And uh, I haven't stopped spending money ever since. It's been 15 years. <laughs> That's sort of how it's characterized, yeah. isn't it? It's just a hole I keep pouring money into. And I guess about five or six years into yeah. it, Jason popped up one night yep. on our Saturday night and I was imaging. I think I, I can't remember what setup I had. And, uh, he started asking a bunch of questions <laughs> and that was it. I think we have been meeting every Saturday or somehow ever since it's been about a 10 year, uh, friendship ever since yeah. that friends that day. And that was over at Fox. So Jason, Germany. that was that yours. Was that, was that your start? It's very similar to Charlie's. You know, I started a little bit later on when I was probably in my 20s, and I went out and bought same scope as Charlie, uh, surprisingly, an ETX-125. No way. And, um, I yeah, I didn't know how to use it, and I was just getting frustrated with it. So I looked up what astronomy club I could join, and I found the South Florida Amateur Astronomy Association. And I joined, and I put on the Google groups that we had and said, hey, does anyone know how to work this scope? And happenstance enough, another guy named Jason emailed me back and said, hey, we're going out to the middle of the Everglades tonight. Why don't you join me? So uh, much to my wife's chagrin about going into the Everglades with a stranger, I went. And, um, you know, there at I night. met Charlie. Yeah, at night, you know, we were there till like midnight. And um, I met Charlie and I saw what Charlie was doing. And I was like, huh. And just asking a bunch of questions. And I mean, I was immediately bit by the bug the minute I saw that first image drop down. I think that night I got home, went and ordered an Orion Atlas. And uh, another uh, camera I got from a guy from the club, got my first really bad M42, but it was probably the most exciting thing I ever got at the time. And uh, that's just where I started. And like Charlie said, we've just been going out for 10 years, almost, you know, every new moon together, just imaging. Yeah. Is that the best guys uh, near where you guys live down in the Everglades? Yeah, you have to get away from all the city lights. Even then, you still have a pretty decent light dome. That's probably about 20... 20 degrees above the horizon. Um, but yeah, out there, it's, you know, it's as dark as you're going to get around here. There's a really good swath of sky from Miami all the way up north of, uh, north of the lake. And it's right in the center of the state. And if you lake follow, Okeechobee. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, can, you can follow it. There's not a lot of development out there. And you just kind of follow it straight up the line. And we have the club that we're involved in has dark sites and uh, all throughout that swath. And we've been given certain rights by the Indian Reservation, other South Florida Water Management uh, has given us rights to land. And we have little spots where we go. And now Jason and I have been going up to Kissimmee Prairie, which is, you're probably familiar with that, it's a campground just north of the lake and south of um, Orlando, which is extremely dark. And it's just a beautiful place. We've been going there for a few years, and now we have a a small little private piece of land in that same area 
that him and I go up as often as we can. It's about two and a half hour drive. We've got a, uh, a private acre or two that we can go with some really dark skies and power and, and a little light, a little clubhouse where we have refrigerator. It's, it's gone. It's, it's the best you can do without having a permanent observatory there. So a couple things here that comes to mind. First of all, there's a lot of challenges to being an amateur astronomer here in Florida. Uh, I, I live in central Florida. I'm kind of lucky in the sense that I'm near Ocala National Forest, so I can. I, there's some reasonably dark skies there, but this is in the middle of a forest. I don't have good horizon views, and so I'm looking at very narrow uh, windows straight, straight above my head. But as I think about the Everglade region, a couple things comes to mind here. One of them is, are you able to find good, solid, you know, pieces of land? And it sounds like you you can because you've got some private owners who and this, you said the South Water South Florida Water uh, uh, people were going to let you also use their land. Yes. Um, so that's cool. Um, but it's also swarming, and I use this word literally <laughs> swarming with uh, with with uh, Burmese pythons. You guys, <laughs> you guys worry about any of that stuff? <laughs> I you know, you were going to say mosquitoes. Yeah, well, funny, okay. <laughs> Swarm it. So everybody knows mos- mosquitoes are a given. We've got to deal with mosquitoes. This is Florida. You, if you can't deal with mosquitoes, you shouldn't be here. But be the, here. the yeah. but this the pythons for Christ's sake. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I mean we're out constantly now. You know, imaging in the dark nights, and then you have these big pickup trucks coming by with these bright you know LED or halide lights just shining yeah. all over the astronomy equipment, looking for these things. Hunters that are out there all the time just hunting the pythons. I mean, we generally don't see them. We see snakes every once in a while, but we don't really see that many pythons. I've never seen them. Yeah, yeah. Well, good, because that would be uppermost in my mind. Now, I know they're secretive, and I know they don't like to bother other people, but they get. I've seen 16-foot ones being pulled out of there, uh, as yeah. we, and and so it's, 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 a, it's a scary place. So, But I will say this about being an amateur astronomer in Florida. We don't have very good... I don't. I, I've not seen anything better than Bortle Four skies here, uh, but I would say that in order to find the darkest skies, what I've had to do is I bought a houseboat, and I it's a one that sits on a trailer. It's a small one, and I am able to put that thing in middles of body the middle of bodies of water, like lakes or rivers, or you know even up even up and down parts of the uh, intercoastal are kind of dark, but not too much. But the darkest skies tend to be in the middle of a really, really big lake. And so I've been enjoying doing some naked eye observing out in the middle of the, of the, of the lake in the water. And I am thinking, because Dustin sent me a 20-inch uh, um, uh, sky, Skywatcher telescope, big, dob, big, dobs, big Dobsonian. And I'm trying to figure out maybe a pontoon boat that's big enough, might be stable enough, to use this as a visual, although it's visual, so freaking heavy, I doubt visual it. Maybe, but, but, visual maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about imaging because I'm not yeah. an imager. But, you know, the just looking through an eyepiece, maybe I could make that work. I don't know. But it's, it's astonishing how dark the skies are in the middle yeah. of the water. Um, mm-hmm. If you go, if you're uh, where you guys live in South Florida, you go out a couple miles away from Miami, boom, you're seeing the Milky Way, right? It's, yeah. right, it's beautiful. Um but you got to do all this at in the dark, in the middle of the water, in the middle of the ocean, or in the middle of a lake, and that's not always super cool. But I predict that we're going to be hearing more amateur astronomers in our state doing this kind of observing somehow. <laughs> I, may, I may be one of the. I might, I might try and 
they have these stakes that come down from a boat that you can like, like little, they just shoot down into the water and they hold on Mm -hmm. to the bottom. Uh, Bass boats use these. What if we did that, but instead of a stake that goes in the water, it's like a big foot pad that stabilizes the boat at the bottom of the river, wherever you happen to be. Um, I'll bet, I'll bet you can make it stable enough to Mm -hmm. maybe image from it. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's uh, (laughs) possible, but not probable. I would think it's especially because think how long that stake would have to be in a 30 foot. I know if you're in even 10 foot water, even in 10 foot water, you're looking at. Yeah. yeah. Those things I've seen them on the back of bass boats and they're five feet deep at the most, but they do work. Yeah, I, I, they keep the an anchor. Pretty, an anchor keeps you in place, but this does kind of stabilize the boat for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, it's something I think about a lot because I love boats. I love being on the water and I love observing. And the skies are dark, <laughs> so it's like all these things coming together. There's got to be a solution to this somehow. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I'll keep thinking. I guess maybe not a pontoon boat. That's probably not right. Uh, okay. So, so you guys do a lot of observing in your region down there. You have a lot of cool uh, observing. Um, observing possibilities you guys met each other through an astronomy club the what you call it this it was a south florida astronomy 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 association that is uh a great way to get introduced into the hobby so you guys were uh were got a great introduction that way um what led to where we are now how did you guys decide to start aa pod 2 so basically, I'd probably say November 2019, there was a, another site that was called AAPODX2. And um, out of nowhere, they just shut down. And there was a big outpouring about how people were going to miss it and that it was a really great resource for astronomers, astrophotographers. And so I called Charlie up one day and I said, hey, you know, this is something that I think we should continue, um, rebrand it, do something a little different, make it better. But continue it so that there's not that hole that's missing for the astrophotographer or for the amateur astronomer um, and just keep it going. What was AA pod two X? What did they do? They did the same thing. They had, uh, they had daily winners. Um, they didn't do any social. So they didn't have a, so- they didn't have a social presence on Facebook. I don't believe. Well, yes, they did. They did have a social presence on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, but they, they picked daily winners and, but they were, from my experience, I had, I think I received two of their awards and I was never really, uh, there was no interaction between them and the community. I think we do a little bit better job as far as interacting with our, with our user base. And then from, it just seemed like, I remember when I got that, that, that first notification that I was going to be one of the winners was so exciting. And then when it just kind of disappeared, you know, we just kind of picked up the ball and and we wanted to keep that resource going for everybody. And then it just kind of snowballed into where we're on, where we're at now. But uh, it's been fun. Yeah, it has been. And, and, And it wasn't just about the selecting images and picking winners. It was more about, building and creating a community where astrophotographers can really discuss what they're doing, how they're imaging, uh, and really help each other. And people can ask questions. And that's really the purpose. The Facebook group that we did was initially set for people to do submissions because we didn't have a website. Once we did the website, we really wanted to create that community where people could go on at all scale levels and just get the help that they wanted, post their pictures, ask advice. So, you know, 
you don't really have many of those places. Sure, you have forums where people can go, but this is more of like a discussion group that people have and can go and know that they're talking to just, you know, astronomy people. Our group is not open to the public, so everyone isn't accepted and joined. We really want to keep it as an astronomical community, whether you're visual, imaging, or, you know, just an astronomer altogether. Let's take a step back for a minute and let's tell some of the beginners who might be listening to this podcast that there is this thing. If you don't know about it, you need to go learn about it. It's called APOD. It's the Astronomy Picture of the Day, and its URL is apod.nasa.gov. This is a very old school thing. It, if you go to apod.nasa.gov, what you will see is a very web 1.0 <laughs> website, right? It is uh, old school, right? And yeah. while it, and so the idea is that the judges for the astronomy picture of the day, who what picture gets to be selected for that honor, and it's become an honor over the years since they've been doing it since the 1990s. Uh, it is a way of recognizing not just amateur astronomers, but the uh, professional realm as well. You'll see uh, examples of Hubble Space Telescope images that, that might be unique or beautiful, and there's a lot of those, of course. Uh, and, of course, NASA has a lot of instrumentation from which to guide and programs from which to pull a lot of really amazing images. And there's also other things like LIGO, uh, the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, um, was selected for one as well, because sometimes it's not about pretty pictures. It's about amazing scientific discoveries. So right. it's got a heavy professional bent there. A professional astro astronomer usually comments or has something to say about each picture. And it's mm -hmm. become an amazing resource and a real feather in your cap. If you make the astronomy picture of the day with one of your images and, and there are plenty of people um, who have amateurs and professionals alike who get on it. And it's very, it's very much an honor. But this, what we're talking about here is AA pod or AA pod two, which uh, you want to tell me, Jason, what that stands for? Sure. It's Animer Astronomy Picture of the Day. So like you said, we're pretty much targeted towards the amateur astronomer. Um, we're not looking for people with observatories in the mountains, not that they don't create fantastic images, but we really want to give the accolades to the guys that are going out there hours and hours on night to dark sites, to the Everglades, or even from their house, just spending the time to put these images together that are fantastic. You know, yeah, of course, everyone can submit to APOD, but we really want to cater to the people who are doing this, you know, just on their own. We only, we only amateurs, right? Okay. All right. So you guys found, uh, you started a Facebook group. You, you started interacting with a lot of other amateur astronomers. You then discovered that the URL was available, or at least the uh, domain name was available. And so you started the website. Um, so take us from there. What, who, who built the website and, and uh, what are the uh, ways in which amateurs can submit to you once the once we purchased uh, the domain i don't think the domain is exactly the same as aapod it was a different domain is it the same image? it's a different domain it's a different domain name but similar to what the the original one was i think since we purchased right it's a let's just go ahead and let me just say it real quick it's aapod2.com right right so that's right. the url so we started taking submissions uh, via Facebook because we didn't have the site. It took a couple of months to build the site. I did most of the heavy lifting building 
uh, the website, doing all the graphic design. That's my background as a graphic designer, web developer. Um, once the site was built, we built a form that would accept the images as um, as submissions. Uh, they get dumped to uh, get dumped to our Google pay, our Google Drive, and we started getting daily submissions. And then once we had enough submissions to fill up, I, I guess we wanted at least 30 days out so that we could have a, a 30 day buffer from the time you submit to the time the first image was arise, um, would published. Uh, we went live January 1st, 2020. We had, I think we had a backlog of about 60 days worth of images. It was a, we would then, it, it was a, it was a great response from the community and we had some great stuff. We still get some great stuff and uh, that's pretty much it. The, the site, uh, you can, you can submit through the website uh, on our submission page. There's a, there's a submission, uh, submit your image button on the website. You can also submit through Facebook, although we don't, we don't look too much on the Facebook anymore. We're trying to get more people to submit to the site. It just, it's easier for us to manage that submission if it comes through the site rather than doing all the copy pasting we would have to do from Facebook to enter into the into the website. So it's, when it comes into the form, it's all documented exactly how we wanted to put up on as a as a post. And and from there it just kind of grew and the, the user base grew and the traffic numbers went from just crazy. It just all of a sudden it really started to take off. We don't do a whole lot of SEO on the site. It's uh, we, we should probably do a better job at SEO, but we do have some significant traffic numbers coming in. Um, and then Jason just recently, he's been managing most of the marketing and such and getting, getting, uh, trying to get advertisers to help with some of the funding of the site. We, we do spend our own money uh, sending out awards. One of the differences between uh, the old AAPOD2X and us and, um, and APOD is that we actually give out prizes. So uh, every month um, on the month, we, 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 we send out a, a small plaque along with a little swag bag of stickers and, and you know, COVID masks and t-shirts and stuff. So if you're the winner and at the end of the year, we let uh, the, the user base then pick the image of the year. So we had 12 finalists from last year that Jason and I uh, picked throughout the throughout the year, and then we turned it over to the user base, and we put up a, another form, and they started voting. And I think we had thirty days of voting, Jason. Mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. And uh, last year's winner uh, was a fantastic image of the the dark nebula, uh, the dark clouds, uh, Andromeda clouds, and it just so happened that. It was also one of the most popular pages on the site, as well as on our, on our Facebook group. It was just a, a gorgeous image. And it's still up on the site now, I believe. Um, we have it as the image of the year. Uh, but actually, we took that down because we're doing another promotion with with Cap, Catherine uh, Mashin. So... I'll let you, I made Jason tell about that. That's pretty exciting. We've had Kat on the, on the podcast several times. So tell us, yeah, what's, yeah, your, what, what's going on with your, right. Yeah. So, you know, I contacted her. I'm a fan of her artwork. I actually have some of it. And, um, 
basically, you know, images that are taken by most astrophotographers, their goal is to make it as scientific as possible, um, presented as it would be coming from NASA. And, you know, there are people who tend to like to oversaturate things or, or do different things, where, which kind of has an artistic twist. Because you ever ask someone and say, hey, that's oversaturated. And they're like, well, you know, that's the way I like it. Because there is an artistic factor to it, whether it's narrow band or however you want to do it, you know, it's your own twist on it. So I thought, why not team up with an artist and have people submit artistic images of space and just to do something different? So, you know, maybe instead of just being serious and taking your time and really trying to get that fine scientific detail, put your own twist on it. You know, of course, we all see a zillion rosettes coming in or M42s, but you know, do something that, that makes it something specific to you. And she was all for it. And um, so we've been taking submissions about the last month and uh, she's going to judge it, select a winner, and they're going to get one of her prints. And when do people have to submit by to be eligible? Uh, the submission closed about two days ago. Oh, so it's already over. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, uh, as you were just you know, describing the artistic viewpoint of, of these images, I was thinking of the many conversations I've had with Dustin, who absolutely loves that saturation slider, man. He, <laughs> loves, he loves that thing. So I don't know how many, uh, are, are cares quite so much about the, the scientific data part of the image, but they definitely are looking for the scientific or at least the accurate representation of whatever yes. it is they've imaged. So that's very true. And, um, so what was the response like you said the the um the uh, submissions closed two days for the uh for the uh, contest yeah we had a lot of great submissions um so she's going to go on soon and start looking at them and judge and pick one you know that she feels is the most artistic that she likes and um like i said they're going to get a print from one of her uh, wonderful shops that she opens and hopefully uh we get some more exposure for her as well because like i said it's not just about the individual it's about the community so if we can help out someone else who's in the astronomy world, whether it be art or imaging, you know, we're all for that. I couldn't agree more. That's very well said. So that's great. So, well, what's the response? What, is, what sort of feedback are you getting from the people who are participating, who are submitting their images and who visit the site? Tell us uh, how well it's being received by the community, the entire website, the whole effort. Oh, it's been it's been great. We were very, you know, we're very particular about the images that, that we pick. We have 10 points and we have a, we have a blog basically let people know you know Jason and I both being imagers we're we're keen on certain points one of them being focus um, another one being framing a third one being focus uh, the fourth one is focus the fifth one is focus <laughs> and then we have the sixth one I think is probably focus again and then the last three are saturation and color. It's one of the hardest things from us, <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, you know, but that's so true, no, man. No, it's so true, you know, because uh, <laughs> even, even on, you know, I see a lot of images out there and, oh, it's, but it really all comes down to, to good focus and, 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 and round stars. If you've got good focus and round stars, then you're going to get our eyeballs, um, everything else. And then, and then, of course, I'm being on the creative side, being a, a web designer and a developer, a photographer, um, you know, I look for the framing and it, and it really, it really needs to, it really should, you know, stand like Jason says, you know, you'll get a million rosettes, but there's always that one where, you know, they found this, this nice way of framing it, maybe with another nebula or another uh, cluster or, or a bright star. 
Uh, so we really take into the into that account. It was interesting with this contest that it was a complete flip where we were just like, whatever you want. So I like that idea. I think we should do more of them. I think we're going to do more of these kind of contests. I'd love, I love partnering with some of these other, these images, uh, for talk, uh, these, these uh, artists that are out there, like, like Catherine. And uh, I've been a fan of her work for a long time. I think it's just fantastic what she does. And, um, oh yeah. She's amazing. She is. It, it, so we have a lot of ideas. Um, I, I think, Finding time to do everything, Jason and I, you know, we're both full-time uh, dads and fathers and husbands, and we both sit on the board of the, the South Florida Amateur Astronomers Association, so that takes up our time. Uh, we like to go out and image whenever there's possible. So if we had more time, you know, so one of the, one of the things maybe we should mention is, you know, we were looking, we're trying to grow the group from a managerial standpoint, help other people bring other people into the fold. So we brought, uh, Brendan, Brendan Keach in. he's in the UK, a uh, fantastic astrophotographer. Is that how you pronounce his last name, Jason? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Fantastic astrophotographer. And he's, he's been a winner on our site a couple of times. So we put out a call for, for help, for people to help us on the social side. And, uh, he came across, he, it was perfect timing because he's in the UK, so he's five hours ahead. So that takes the onus off of us to be up at midnight every night to, to post the winner. So he takes care of the social side. He just goes to the website. The website's on a timer, basically. On a, we, we set all of our times, all of our images ahead of time. And so he just goes on, I guess it's around seven, eight o'clock his time. He sees the latest uh, winner and then he posts it to the Facebook group for us. But I think our next our next acquisition is going to be maybe somebody to help us out on um, on the Instagram side because our Instagram page is also blowing up, and uh, I don't I think we could be doing a much better job or at least giving it the the due diligence it deserves because it's it's getting a lot of traffic as well. It never ceases to amaze me the appetite that there seems to be for astronomical images. Now, I've been at this since forever, and I I mean, I have seen more images of the Orion Nebula, the Ring Nebula, Andromeda Galaxy, on and on and on and on, uh, from every single possible wavelength and every, on every single possible telescope one can image these things in. And it still doesn't get old to me uh, to be able to see these things. And so when I think of, you know, another platform, because Instagram is full of people doing astrophotography work, outstanding people doing great doing great stuff and they're all blowing up everybody seems to be very eager to look at images from space why do you think that is what why is the appetite and we're talking i assume in in, in your following and certainly from other instagram uh, people and and astrophotographers i've talked to just regular people want to want to look at these images why why do you think that is? I think it's the mystery. I think it's the unknown. You know, everyone always looking up and then all of a sudden you see this image that you can't see with your naked eyes. And it's like, wow, that's really up there. I mean, I can't tell you how many times at the observatory we're showing the public Saturn and they think it's a sticker on the lens. You know, that, that can't know. be real. Yeah. And, I know. <laughs> you know, you know, and I just think it's, yes, yeah, the allure of just all the things that are out there. And, you know, I show some of the people my pictures and they're like, wow, what's that? Where's that at? And you start pointing in the sky and it's just, it amazes them that something like that's out there. And, um, you know, and from there they start looking up other things and just want to get involved. I think it's, 
the fact that we've kind of lost our dark skies um, for the most part locally here in the city where the bulk of the people are, they look up and they really don't see much from their particular um, place. And when they see these dark sky images that, that Jason and I are posting or any, anybody is posting all over Instagram, it's a wonder to them that that's even there because when they're looking up, they're not seeing that. And even when we have people come to the observatory, we're, we're in a portal, I think eight, Scott, eight, eight, yeah. eight, eight over at, at the observatory. And they go outside and it's, you know, they're outside the, the walls of, of the observatory. We have observation grounds out there. And um, they're like, wow, it's so much darker here. And it's just a few miles from where they live, you know, from maybe five miles uh, from where they're at. And they can't see anything there. So I think it's that mystery, like Jason says, they can't see it there. But then when they find out that this was taken, just with a regular, you know, not from NASA. This was not professional equipment, professional equipment. This was done, you know, with modest uh, amateur astronomy equipment. It's, it's, it's amazing. No matter who I show these pictures to, even friends and family, they're still astonished at it. And I'm still astonished. You know, I've shot the same target over and over every year for the last 15, 20 years. And it's, it's, to me, when that when that image drops, even the, the, the raw data, it's just so exciting. Just it's just 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 to, just to look at it. And it's fantastic. It, to me, it's uh, it, it's a magic. And that's a good way to put it. And the the experience is different each time, right? Every time you take an image of something, whether it's you know M forty two, whatever it is, uh, it's it's a, the the it's a slightly different experience. It's a slightly different image than what you took before. And I right. think more than any other reason that I am a visual astronomer over an imager. I mean, I like to take image you know images too, but I'm I've done it my in the professional realm for long enough. It doesn't. I just don't, it's just too much work. All I want to do is look through an eyepiece. And so, and the reason I'm like that is that if when I go out and I point the telescope at something, whatever it is I'm looking at, I've seen the moon a billion times. I've seen the double cluster in Perseus a trillion times. And I still, okay, that's an exaggeration, but I've seen it a lot. And I, every time I go out, it's it's a different feeling, a different experience. I I remember something, or I notice something I didn't notice before, and the app the appetite is basically infinite. I can't get enough of just the experience of being quiet under the sky, looking at something I've seen a million times. But it is a connection that I think I I I get something from each and every time. And what you were talking about with the equipment that's now being used to get these results that didn't used to be true now you guys are recent as i from what your story suggests you're relatively recent to the hobby <laughs> i can remember a time way before when everybody had uh out or not altas mounts but equatorial mounts that everybody hated to use like your tasco and you know the, to this day dustin says he doesn't know how to he can't really get do one of those in the dark uh but but, you know, we had film. We had this Hyper 2415 film focusing, as you pointed out, was the biggest, most important factor on whether you got something worth keeping or not. But you didn't know that until after you sat under the sky for 45 minutes to an hour, took your film back out of the camera and, and developed it and then looked and go, oh, man, I, I didn't have the focus right. So back you go. Right. And nowadays, focusing 
is an afterthought with the autofocusers that are out there, mm-hmm. you know, and they temperature compensate, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll find the, the, the V point and the focus for you. You're almost certain to get a good focus these days if you have an autofocuser. So that's taken out of it. And these cameras, even the CMOS cameras, the color ones, beautiful stuff, right? And you get it pretty easily, not to mention all the Stellina and, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, EV scope stuff that you can get now these days too. So, so all of that is to say that now, you know, once they go to your uh, observatory and they see these things, they can then go, wow, this is all you use to take it and then go back and get that stuff themselves. Do you, do you notice that very much happening? Uh, do you see your group growing uh, down there uh, the more you have these public nights? Yeah, I think we definitely get uh, more members through the nights. Um, I don't know how many uh, join just to do the donation or how many actually join to be participative you know, with us, but we do a lot of outreach or we did pre-COVID. We did libraries, we did schools, elementary schools, and to see the kids just looking through the scopes was amazing. But yeah, you, you do get a lot of people that want to get into it and ask questions of you know what's involved, how expensive is it? And, you know, we try and put together equipment lists from starter to intermediate to, you know, advanced for people that want to do these things and try and steer them in the right direction where they're not just going out to get frustrated. Because I think that's the big thing for beginning astronomers is getting the wrong equipment and just being really frustrated at what you're looking at and then giving up. And we really want to direct people in the other direction so they don't have that experience and that they can, you know, share it with their neighbors and share it with whoever and just introduce them to that experience as well. And, and to touch on another point, I do have to say I thank all the visual people out there, you know, like yourself, because when we go out to dark sites, you know, we're sitting there imaging and we're staring in front of a computer screen. So when we go out to a dark site and there's an actual visual guy out there, it amazes us. Even if we're looking at what we're imaging, it's just a completely different experience to see M42 in an eyepiece, you know, as compared to just staring at it on your screen. And, uh, you know, just hanging out with those guys and talking all night while they slew. And, you know, it's amazing to me. I use an equatorial mount. I want to go to, you know, M45. I punch in the keys and it goes. You know, these guys have to know where everything is when they want to go there. And, you know, that's just great. That's amazing to take that kind of time and dedication. And they're so much better at it than we are. <laughs> yeah. The, I, we, we, well, you know, we use the go-to thing. I use the go-to thing a lot. But mm-hmm. but I I don't need it. Uh, just to give a quick, quick story, I was at Dustin's house with the telescope that I now have sitting in his driveway, and uh, we were going to just do some observing. It was a crappy night as far as light pollution goes, but I wanted to see M57. So I went in and I just, I just, we did, we just rolled it out and I just pushed over there and pushed it over to M57. And he was like, damn, you found that fast. <laughs> and it was like, you know, there's just, I just knew where it was and I knew the field mm-hmm. of view of that scale telescope. And it is a great skill to have. And I do mm-hmm. like it because I don't depend on anything else. I don't need to depend on anything else to do it. But again, the experience is different every single time. Like that night, for some reason, I saw color in M57 in the middle wow. of a, of a, um, uh, you know, really crappy. I think Bortle seven sky, it was terrible. And, and this was San Diego. And, uh, uh, I was able to see it. I don't know why I, but I could, maybe I was making it up, but that's a good, that's another thing about being a visual astronomer is you could just say, you know, I saw, <laughs> I saw color. <laughs> this star for sure. Yeah. I saw color. And you, what are you going to do? Say no. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah. So, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the gear that you have now, you go, you guys, uh, you know, you started with a, a Tasco Charles and, and then, uh, later got a mead and then, and then, uh, uh, Jason, you also got the same mead. What do you, ha- what do you have now? 
<laughs> I know you didn't stop there. Please, no, nobody not, does. No, no. Um, so I think what, let me start. So after, after the ETX, I think I went right, I went right to the Atlas mount. And I, once, once I got the Atlas mount, it was the, the least expensive mount that I could do, you know, at least five minute exposures, which, you know, you really got to be able to do five minute exposures to get anything, uh, decent nowadays. I still have the same old, uh, I have a newer, I have the new Atlas mount. My current setup, I have two. Uh, I have an Edge, of a QHY uh, 268 that just came in a couple of other days. If Jason, turn, can you turn the laptop around show on the desk really quick? So this is the nightmare I'm going through right now of uh, getting, <laughs> that's for all the adapters. I'm trying to get the QHY. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, that yeah. looks like a lot of adapters. It's a lot <laughs> yeah. of spacing and a lot of adapters. Um, but a funny story, so... I used to have an ASA, um, I think it was a 10 inch ASA, uh, newt or, um, and I caught, I put it up for sale on Astromart and a guy named, uh, Dustin called, uh, sent me a text and said, I want, I'd, I'd like to, I'll do a trade. So I said, okay, so I do a trade. I have a house in North Carolina and the kind of the deal kind of fell through and he was busy moving. And he had said, yeah, I'm, I'm moving to San Diego. I'm going to go work in the astronomy business. And so one of the telescopes in, in my, uh, in my quiver is Dustin's wife's old stellar view SVA 130 ED. <laughs> and I think Dustin has nice. my old ASA, um, newt. uh, it was a fast new, great new, but it was too big for the mount. So, I still have uh, Dustin's old SVA sitting in the other room and I have a smaller and then I have a, a smaller uh, sharp star 76 millimeter for the wide field stuff, but just got the new camera. I have an old uh, S big laid around here somewhere uh, back there. And so, yeah, I've got from super long medium to, to super wide. And I'd say I'm the same way. Um, you know, when I first started, Charlie recommended everything. So I went out, bought my uh, Orion D80, <laughs> got, got a Starlight Express H9C, bought the Atlas mount. And then pretty much, I mean, I have to say I've kind of been piggybacking off Charlie ever since in terms of scopes. Um, you know, we both have the Stellar View. We have the Sharp Star 76 millimeter. We both have the Edge. And uh, I have a Lunt solar scope. I mean, I try and dabble in a little bit of everything. Um, I definitely find something to keep me going during the day, something for outreach, something for planetary, something for uh, DSOs. I kind of want to try and learn as much as I can and just have as much fun as I can with space. I mean, it's all fascinating. So. But that's a really good piece of advice for everybody. You know, find somebody who's doing something that you want or you want to achieve to. And, you know, why reinvent the wheel? One of the beauties of being involved in the, uh, of the astronomy club was that, you know, I found five guys who had the atlas before i did so everything i needed all, all the all the adapters all the different software they had all done that been there done that so it's just so much easier to to other than going at it your own my advice to people that are getting into astrophotography is you know find a find an astronomy club that's if you can't you know find an astronomy club or a group of people online that are doing the type of photography you want to do and then 
ask a lot of questions and buy the same equipment they have because if they're getting good results and you can get that same equipment and learn from them and then once you get all the basics down then you can go out and experiment on your own but in the beginning find a mentor you know just like in business find a mentor who's doing what you want to do or what you want to achieve and replicate that if you can afford it to 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 buy exactly the same equipment that was a path that Jason took with me. It was a path I took with Charlie Hine back in the day. And it, I think it's just a, a great way to go about it. Sure. It, it prevents you from getting things you don't need or want or things that don't quite work for you. And you can also, more times than not, be able to try it out before you buy it and see what see how it fits. Uh, that's certainly a big, big plus to a, to a star uh, an amateur astronomy club um and if you can't if you can't find one near you there's nothing to prevent you from starting one uh, you never know who lives around in your area either i my very first job uh at coming out of high school was at the clyde tombaugh planetarium in alamogordo new mexico they didn't have an astronomy club and uh so i started it and not only did um clyde tombaugh show up at the meetings he was the discoverer of pluto uh he lived down there uh, I also got John Paul Stapp, which was an Air Force colonel uh, who happened to be, he was retired, and he was one of the first people that used those rocket sleds for astronaut testing back in Alamogordo or during the White Sands Missile Range uh, testing facility. So you meet, you never know who you're going to meet when you start your own club. And all you got to do is these days either put up a Facebook page or maybe a Craigslist ad or something like that and get people who might be interested in doing it. I, I did a, a uh, a classified ad because this was like ancient times, but, but um, yeah, it was a fun experience too. So it's as much as it is a solitary hobby when you're out there under the night sky with your own telescope, it, it can also be a very rewarding community endeavor. And to the extent that you can get yourself in, inserted in groups of people with like-minded interests, uh, the better off you'll be, I think. Maybe later on you might isolate yourself a little bit more. I don't know. I tend to I feel like I'm a hermit these days, but maybe that's COVID. I don't know. But I feel I just feel like, you know, I, I used to be a lot more social than I am. But uh but it it you know, this interaction, this uh, these this these stories that people will tell you and they will tell you stories uh about what they've done or how they've imaged something is really a good way to learn for people who've just started out. And for you old home rumfers out there, you know who you are. You're the ones who are oh I remember back in my day. I just did that earlier in this podcast. Uh, you know, you know who you are. You're gonna find willing listeners and audience to listen to your stories and to and to learn from you so it's um it's good for everybody it's a win-win all the way around yeah um okay so uh what what are your plans going forward with how do you say it you guys actually say aapod2 i've been saying aapod uh so what do you guys say aapod2 yep we go letter by letter oh my god okay aapod2 uh, just A-Pod, man. A-A-Pod. Just say it. All right. Okay. A-A-Pod so works. What are, you, what are your plans for? Are you going to just – I know you've already said your your uh, visitor numbers are, are, are growing online, so you had a lot of good traffic. Um, is it to just keep that going, or do you have new things maybe you're thinking about doing? Well, we definitely want to keep it going. We definitely want to have more contests and, and associate with more people. And, and like I said, it, it's building a community. So uh, the more people that we can work with, whether it be astronomy companies, individuals – that's really the route we're going. We want to bring something to the astrophotographer, the amateur astronomer that they can benefit from. Um, you know, we're always looking to increase our end of the year prizes. 
Um, last year, we had a pole master that was donated. Um, we had some books, uh, meteorites, and this year, we're going to have a reveal on some things that we're having that we're going to be giving away a little bit later on this year. But um, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's all about giving back. So the more that we can figure out ways to give back to people, we want to continue to do that and build upon that. Um, that's That basically guarantees your success. You know, the, that attitude right there the, of giving back to the community almost, it never fails. Uh, yeah. Charles, did you want to add to that? Well, it, it's just like Jason says, um, we're, we're looking to looking to grow the site, looking to grow our submissions. We'd like to push out as many of these great images as we can. Um, we, there's obviously there's not, there's not any money to be made in this. It's, there's no, there's no advertisers other than, you know, endemic advertisers on the site. Um, we're looking to, to the only, the only money we're trying to make is to maybe help pay for bandwidth, uh, hosting costs and mailing costs. Basically that's the biggest, that's the biggest uh, part of our um, yeah this is a worldwide endeavor I mean we're sending stuff to Germany Austria Spain yeah. I mean you know it, we could be the guys that try and keep it local and send everything in the states but really we don't want to do that I mean you know the winner is the winner and it doesn't really matter where they are you know we want to send those prizes to those people I mean like uh, Charlie said the winner of last year was in Spain and we sent them a whole big package and it, you know it's just something again that it's tangible, you know, that they, they put in all this hard work and, and they have something tangible that shows, you know, that what they did is appreciated. And that, that's important, too. I think, you know, winning the, the daily thing is great. And then to win the monthly and to get that tangible thing is, is you know, it's rewarding. Yeah. And some of the some of the comments we get are so, so cool from from the community about, you know, they love the plaque or they, they, they love that almost every winner sends us you know, a thank you, like, thanks for, I really appreciate it. Love the site. Thanks for keeping it going. The, the positivity has been just, it's just been great to receive that type of, uh, that type of feedback from our group. And yeah, we just want to make it bigger, make it better, get more submissions, come up with different contest ideas. Uh, we'd love to partner with some different companies to see, you know, what else can we do? And, and we're looking to go to Neef next year. So yeah, we'd love to oh, get good. to Neef. Yeah, put a little booth up and meet some of the people that we're interacting with. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be it, it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be who knows what we'll come up with next. Uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> Maybe a podcast. <laughs> hey hey hey! Wait just a second there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Char Charlie designed the logo. And then, um, you know, I, I work with an acrylic company and, and each year we change the design a little bit so people will know, you know, or, or not know what year it comes from. But I didn't want every year to be the same. I wanted there to be a little change up. So if by happenstance you did win, you know, two years in a row, at least you had something that was different. I know you've seen thousands and thousands of images, but can you give us an example of some that really stood out to you? What kind of qualities did they have besides being in focus? We know that's important. Also, the, you don't just want M57 centered in the center of the frame. You want something yep. kind of cool done to it. What are some of the things that stand out to you for an, for an amazing image? What catches your eye? I definitely think one of our target points in our blog of the 10 things that we look for is uniqueness. You know, sometimes we see some PNEBs that just aren't really imaged that much. Um, we have some guys that, you know, are out trying to discover things and they do happen to discover stuff and they'll pop it on there. Um, the clouds of Andromeda that won last year, things that you don't see often. 
Um, things that are unique are definitely things that catch our eye that we really look forward to. And, and I hate to say it, but clusters and globs are just the least image things that people submit. And, you know, sometimes they're so great, even though they're just stars. And I'll, I'll try and hint to people sometimes, yeah, we just don't get a lot of globs or clusters, you know, Set to up. give people some hints. <laughs> because, you know, people spend all their time on the nebulas or on the galaxies. And, 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 you know, you have these things that are just pushed to the wayside, which don't require a lot of time but really are great in themselves. I know some of them are kind of hard to process, you know, with blowing them out, but um, they're still fantastic. But yeah, I mean, it, the uniqueness really throws our way with, with um, the images. And, you know, like you said, you get a bunch of rosettes, but then you get the people that focus on the core of it and, uh, you know, something different, you know, that people bring to the table. That really is what we look for. My favorite image from last year, aside from the one that won uh, the image of the year, was was not... Uh, an astronomy image. It was sent to us uh, by a gentleman named uh, Robert Gillette. Oh, yeah. And it was five images that had never been seen before. He had. A, he, he was a. Um, he was in the right place at the right time. He said he was a. Uh, I, I think he was a commander on the the ship that brought Lovell on the deck after they had come back from. Uh, one of the Apollo missions. So he sent us five images that have never been released. And they were just pictures of James Lovell and uh, who else was on there? I think it was Donald C. Davis. Um, it, and it, it was, these came through. It was, I think he, the timing was, was great. He won uh, image of the day, obviously, but the timing was great because it was from the 50 year anniversary of the Apollo, the Apollo splashdown. And he was on the deck and he oh, had that's his camera cool. and yeah. he shot these images. And he's obviously an older gentleman. Um, it was the, it was, it came in, I think it, I think those images came in the day before yes. the date. And we had to scramble because we had already picked a winner for the next day. But I was like, Jason, <laughs> we have to give it, we have to do it on the day. And when you, so yeah, I don't know who was the guy who was supposed to get on, but he got bumped like 30 days forward. So he, we had to move. Oh no. Yeah. Cause everyone we do, it's on a timer. And if you move one, you can't just bump all 30. You have to either put that guy at the very end. Otherwise you have to update 30 different blogs to, to update everybody. And it becomes a time management issue. <laughs> but, uh, that was my favorite image. Uh, it was just heartfelt. He was just a great guy. Yeah, and, and he's, he he's a photographer us, too, an astrophotographer. Not only did he send us the, these great images, but he also, you know, he, he donated. He sent a nice donation to the site as well. Uh, not that he bought the image of the day. He would have gotten it regardless, but um, the donation didn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> no. it, it, it did come after. <laughs> it came after, though. It came, it yeah. came after. But he yeah. was so nice and... and he sent us a really nice thank you as well. And I was like, I was blown away by that. I was yeah, like, it's that the was, history. It was awesome. Stuff like that's priceless because that's a moment in history that yes. was captured not by official NASA sources, but by presumably him. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and by and he's never been seen before. These yeah. Were, these so were, these the, were his personal camera and he wasn't like a staff photographer or anything. It was, it was just, he was on the deck. He was in the right place at the right time. He had his little Nikon. And he, and he shot five great images, and uh, it was it was really really. Cool. Oh, it's that's on the that's site. a great you story. Can, you can go to all our stuff is archived. Um, unlike some of the other sites, you can go to the archives page, and then there's a 
little button that says um, all the images from 2020. What we did was we created a blog that uh, takes every image, which also was a kind of really cool mosaic. It was all 365 days of thumbnails on one page. It takes a little while to load, but when you when it when it loads, it's it's a fantastic image um, uh, uh, of every thumbnail with no words, but for 365 days of 2020. And uh, we didn't miss a day. I mean, we, we did great. We, we did not miss one day. That's awesome. We were late. We're a little late on some of the monthly winners like we are this month, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't miss a day. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you, we're going to close out this episode. I'm going to give you guys an idea. Now, remember when I was talking about the uh, the official APOD, the one that's that's hosted on mm-hmm. NASA.gov. Well, they also sometimes do discoveries, right? A discovery or a chart or a plot will make the picture of the day because it's an important discovery. Yes. In this day and age, with the way in which amateur astronomy is progressing, I believe the real growth industry in this hobby, but not taking images, but it's in doing scientific research. Yes. I would I would propose that if somebody could submit to you, say, a light curve, a transit light curve of an exoplanet uh, that they've taken with their own instrumentation, that should qualify as maybe some a different a different category. I don't know, but you know that would be something that I would I would find very interesting, and I know a lot of other amateur astronomers who do research would find as interesting as well. Comet yes. discoveries would maybe the picture doesn't look beautiful, but right. the comet discovery itself might would be significant. So Absolutely. maybe consider that. I think that would be a way to grow uh, in the months coming and the years coming forward. Because absolutely, science, uh, not just citizen science, but actual res- research being done on amateur telescopes mm-hmm. is going to explode uh, in the coming yeah. years. It, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, the the community is growing. I think the availability of the equipment being cheaper, better, faster. Uh, you have these little tiny tracking mounts. People are just, and, and people just love astronomy. I think NASA tapped into that with APOD years ago. They figured that out right away. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it. it, it really I think is. it was an accident. I don't. I don't know for sure, but I think somebody at NASA said, "Hey, man, let's just put up a picture every day," and they did. I, and, I and I think it was. I, I think it even surprised them. I wonder if I, I wonder. So, Jason and, and Charles, is there any other thing you'd like to point out in the in the podcast that I didn't ask you about, or is there anything you would like our listeners to know before we close out this episode? I think we want to invite them to go to the site, check it out. Um, if What's you're an amateur, uh, aapod2.com. Just go. like there you go, uh, <laughs> pretty easy to get to. Uh, it's relatively easy to search if you can't remember that just aapod2 on google will get you there and if you're an amateur astronomer and you're in focus hit that submit button (laughs) (laughs) hit that submit button um and 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 you know join the facebook group i mean it's 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 a great community we've got a bunch of really great people and i love your idea uh about the scientific aspect we have had a few submissions that were yes uh, uh, weren't great, you know, weren't pretty pictures. They were, you know, scientific, uh, discoveries or, uh, scientifically interesting, I should say. But, uh, yeah, just come to the site, interact, take a look at the blog, take a look at last year's pictures. And let me say, it's not just pictures. We also post videos. Sometimes we have guys that 
that transit, you know, the ISS or people do planetary rotations with the moons. And, and we'll post things like that, too, because that's, you know, it's something that's interesting you don't see every day. And yeah. uh, certainly not everyone does planetary. So that that's really something amazing to see that you generally wouldn't see, you know, even looking through a scope. That takes yeah. a lot of time to process, do the rotation, and, and, you know, they deserve the credit for that. I love those. I love those pictures of the ISS going past the moon or in front of oh, the yeah. sun and stuff like that. I love those pictures. I mean, it amazed me when I saw the first one, and they were a winner last year, that they tracked it and guided it by hand. And I'm like, man, how do you do that? I mean, <laughs> and not be all shaky trying to get it. And, and you know, it was a fantastic detail. It's just insane. Didn't we have a winner just a couple of days ago that was the, uh, the track that, that was an ISS track that the, the, it was an APOD the day before we had picked him for APOD too. Yeah, that gets me sometimes. I'll pick an image <laughs> that, that, that APOD will eventually pick and I've like had it picked for two weeks. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. I'm like, oh, really? I'm going to beat you. Oh, no, they scooped you, did they? <laughs> they oh, yeah, that twice, must... twice so far. Twice but, so okay, far. You know, it, it's all in fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you know on the, you're on the same wavelength, right? Right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. So at least you know you're on the right track. Exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much, Charles Lilo and Jason Matter, both operating AAPod two, not this AAPod AAPod two dot com. Check check it out. Check it out. <laughs> I got to be able to say this stuff. Um, it's an amazing resource. If, if you're just getting started out in amateur astronomy, you can see what other people are doing. And if you are getting honored on this, this is a, an amazing achievement and, and congratulations on getting, getting picked for the, uh, strong amateur astronomy picture of the day. So, um, on behalf of Dustin Gibson, he should be back in the next episode. I'm hoping he's, uh, he's been, uh, off off camera lately because he's had a lot of uh, scheduling conflicts uh, my name is tony darnell thank you all so much for listening and watching because this is also video now and as always keep looking up space junk is produced by deep astronomy and sponsored by opt telescopes in carlsbad california please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com also please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com